0: TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys show with wellness experts, Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys, I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph, and I'm Brett Hill and this is the Wellness Guy Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives and today we have a very special guest Uh, he was actually live at the Wellness Summit recently with uh, Pete Evans and he came on stage and it's Damon Gamow who's an Australian director and actor. He's uh, starred in several films such as the uh, highly acclaimed Tracker, uh, Thunderstruck, Razzle Dazzle but more importantly lately he is actually working on a film that we're really interested in talking about today Uh, it's called That Sugar Film which is uh, a feature documentary uh as part of uh, madman entertainment and old maid's production as well he basically puts himself by eating little to no sugar in the past he basically sorry he hasn't eaten any sugar to uh, or little to no sugar in the last two years but but putting himself through this movie like almost a supersized meat uh type of adventure where he consumes 40 teaspoons of sugar per day found in common foods and drinks so welcome to the wellness guy show
1: hi guys how are you
2: Damien, it's Damien here. That's, uh, that's quite a challenge. I filmed a TV show that went for a long time and we got people to do this crash diet dummy thing where for 10 days we get them to eat bad food. But how long did you eat 40 teaspoons of sugar for? Uh, it was 60
1: days. 60 um, days. Or, yeah, which kind of oh, by day 50, I, the last 10 days were just brutal. Um, I had a pregnant wife who was um, eight months pregnant too, so I was just praying that the baby didn't come early. Otherwise, they would have been greeted by this – very cranky, uh, fat, sugar father, and I didn't want that to be the first impression that my daughter would get.
3: <laughs> just <laughs> so walked out, just came out and go, "Oh, you're fat!" Yeah, scream and go back in. That's what she did. <laughs> so, Damon, obviously, the first question that pops you in everyone's head is why. I mean, you just mentioned yeah. your daughter. You know, was that sort of part of the motivation for it? How, where did your motivation come from to want to do this and to to have this film and to get this message out there?
1: Yeah, it certainly did. That was a that was a big factor. The daughter, but. um I'd given up sugar probably three years before I started this project, and mainly to impress my girlfriend, as men often do, we we, we take on these incredible things just to try and woo a woman, and I did. I, I started eating healthier, and I cut out all refined sugar from my diet, and. didn't think much of it I certainly noticed that my moods were a lot more consistent I felt calmer I was a better person to be around but physically I didn't notice that much there was a few sort of people would comment on my skin or the brightness of my eyes or whatnot which as an ego-driven actor was very handy but I didn't sort of give it much thought and then I just noticed more and more that there was this sort of growing movement about sugar in the press and there was this kind of real zeitgeist that there maybe there was something going on with sugar and I had the opportunity to to direct a feature film um, through this company Madman that I'd worked with before, and I just said to them, "Look, I just think there's something in this sugar thing, and and also the the, the what sugar is aesthetically, the neon colours and the bright vibrancy of it, it really lends itself to to cinema, and you could do something really fun with it." So, I guess then I decided what would be the main narrative of the film and what would be interesting to people, and. I thought there was so much confusion around the nutritional advice. I kept reading articles that said that sugar was bad for you. Then I'd read another article that said it was fine. So I thought the only thing to do really is to have my own sugar experience. And that's when the idea of, you know, very much based on the supersize me premise Mm. was that I would eat a whole lot of sugar under the guidance of some people that knew what they were talking about and took my blood tests and doctors and all sorts of people. Um, But the catch is that, I, the 40 teaspoons of sugar a day didn't consist of any junk food or the foods that we kind of inherently know are bad for us, like soft drink and Coke and ice cream and lollies and chocolate bars and things like that. I had none of those foods. That was the rule. The, the sugar had to be found in foods that I guess most people wouldn't know contain sugar or most of the foods that are endorsed by the Australian Heart Foundation that we're told in adverts are full of energy and, you know, great for school kids and whatnot. So, those foods are like juices and low-fat muesli. Um, sorry, low-fat yogurts and muesli bars and healthy cereals. A lot of these foods are just full of sugar because it's such a good preservative and it's very cheap for the companies. And of course, we, as I now know, are quite addicted to it. So, I managed to reach forty teaspoons a day without eating any junk food. And, um, to me that suddenly became a pretty interesting story. And look, I started it not knowing we we all all thought, well, we won't put much money into it at the start. The first three weeks will be a bit of a test and we'll see what happens. But by the third week I'd already developed fatty liver disease and, um, put on a whole lot of weight. And so I guess the seriousness of the topic, um, and film suddenly escalated and, Then I guess I realized that there was something going on here and then I looked a little further and scratched a little deeper and kept scratching and and the journey took me all around the world and all around Australia and looked at how sugar infiltrated culture and then looked at I guess the history of how it became so prevalent into culture and then you scratch deeper and you find out the misinformation that's going on at various levels and um, I ended up going way further down a sugary rabbit hole than I ever envisaged. but the positive was that I filmed the whole thing and, um, and as a result I'm very proud of the result and um, very happy with the film and, and I'm looking forward to sharing with people.
0: I think this film is going to be a, a wake-up call for a lot of people, which is going to be a great thing. But let's let's dive in deep into exactly what happened to you. I mean, obviously, you went almost two years without having you know very little or no sugar at all, and then all of a sudden you put yourself in a situation where you, you're consuming a massive amounts of sugar, um, just mm-hmm. from common food and drinks. And so, you know, what were some of the f- first? Few days like for you, like how did it affect you? Um, you know, mentally and also physically. What were some of the changes um, that you sure. found right away?
1: Well, I guess too, I, I want to start and, and preface this by saying that although it sounds quite incredulous, the, the forty teaspoons is is what the average Australian is consuming, and, and teenagers are consuming even more than that. So, I know it sounds outrageous, and most people say, "Hey, look, I, you know, I, I stop putting sugar in my tea." But if I get them to list you know, the 10 or 15 things they've eaten that day, they usually get around 30 or 35 teaspoons. And that's, I guess that's the biggest surprise from people so far that have seen the film. They're just shocked at the things that they have on a daily basis, that they have no idea. I mean, for example, I had a, like a bowl of just right cereal with a low-fat yogurt and a glass of apple juice for breakfast every day. That's 20 teaspoons of sugar. You know, and that's, hmm. most people would perceive that as, as the best way to start the day. That's what we've been told for the last 15 years. But when you're having that much sugar, to start your day and and i guess getting back to your question that's the effects that i noticed very quickly were my mental function which probably was the biggest surprise is that i consider myself quite a present person i guess i've you know done various levels of meditation and whatnot in my past and i'm very conscious of how my moods are affected and how i perceive the world and very quickly i was shocked at how um how much i was knocked off my center i was distracted I'd be fine um, when I had the sugar and then I'd really start to fade over the next 45 minutes and, and then feel quite vague. I'd, I'd sort of feel a bit aloof and then I'd go and get my next sugar hit and bang, I'd be back on again On I'd, I'd be sharp as a tack. And that to me I guess is probably one of the biggest surprise factors of the whole film and, and when I think of children, I looked further into this and we really investigated it in the film and and look at what sugar does do and the chemicals that it can release in your brain when you are crashing after that initial high you know, and I think of kids that are struggling to learn at school and they're having difficulty concentrating in class. There's there's every chance that some of them have been given exactly the cereal I mentioned, the the cereal and the um and the yogurt and the and the juice, because their parents think they're doing the right thing, and then that kid is running out and, and having a crash an hour and a half later while they're sitting in the classroom. So that's probably a bigger topic that we can get to. But um that, that was something I noticed straight away. But also the physical symptoms I guess occurred. Much quicker than any of the doctors realized that um, I actually put on three kilos in the first 12 days, um, which, you know, thankfully we got some terrific reactions from the doctors because none of us expected it. And the thing, I guess, that will probably resonate with most men is that all that weight was put on around my stomach, and this is called visceral fat. So there's, there's two types of fat that we can gain one is called subcutaneous, which is just under the surface, and then there is visceral fat. And this is the fat that most people are really concerned about, most doctors, because it can lead to metabolic syndromes. And this is this – it's a dangerous fat that gathers around the organs, so it cramps the organs. And, and for me, it was coming from my fat, my, from my liver. The liver was just pumping out fat because it was converting the fructose and the sugar into fat. And then this can lead to sort of heart disease and all sorts of issues that for so long we've associated with saturated fat. We've all been told not to eat these kind of um, high-fat foods. Um, whereas what I was finding was I was having a low fat diet, but what was causing all the damage was the sugar turning to fat in my body. And I guess that's something that only science is now starting to really understand in the last few years. And, and there's why there's a lot of resistance to it. But from my experience, it's very, very real. And, um, you know, it's something that we need to actually address very quickly.
2: I reckon people at the moment, Damon, will be listening to this going, oh, when's the movie coming out? Can't wait to, to see it. But I, you must have finished filming this some time ago because it takes a little while to cut and edit and put it all together and, you know, get yep. marketing. And all that. You know, when you finished filming this show or this, this movie, yep. how long
1: did it take you to get off the sugar? Um, well, I guess the advantage I had is that I'd done it before. So I had a really sort of good blueprint to know how to do it quickly and efficiently. Yeah. But – what we actually put in the film, which was never in the film, was never planned, was that – so obviously all my blood tests fell apart. My triglycerides, which is the fat in the bloodstream, which can lead to heart disease. My um, Obviously my weight, my insulin, a double, all sorts of factors that happened in my blood tests. But So I stopped the film and we obviously started editing and I was also writing a book based on the film. So I was kind of pretty much sitting at a computer for the next six weeks without doing any exercise. But all I did was cut out the sugar. So I just went back to my previous diet, which was quite high in sort of healthy fats like coconut products and avocados and nuts. And I just drank water. So I lost, I put on nine and a half kilos. I lost seven kilos in that two months. And all my blood tests two months later had returned to my previous before I started the experiment. So that was the real bonus, was that this thing that that all I did was cut out the sugar and everything returned to normal. And I rang one of the scientists that I met, actually, this guy named Jean-Marc Schwartz who's based in um, California, and he said that it's, it correlates with all the studies they've done, that all they get their people to do is cut out some of these sugary drinks, these juices, these vitamin waters, these flavored milks. As soon as you cut that, those out, the liver can turn around so quickly, almost to the point that some of them think that we might be designed to put on a fatty liver for certain times of year and then lose it because I could do it so quickly. And this is what the science is showing now that you just go back to water for a while, you give your body a chance to regenerate. The liver is an incredibly detoxifying organ of the body. So, once that's in good shape, it can actually start healing the rest of the body. And, you know, when I think of Australia now, we have five and a half million people that are diagnosed with non alcoholic fatty liver disease. So, there's only 6,000 people who have got alcoholic fatty liver disease, five and a half million are from other causes which that's no one's put the finger on yet. Whoa, and for me, point. I would say that it's a huge factor to do with the sugar and the fructose in our diet.
3: That's oh. phenomenal, isn't it? Hey, uh, yeah. so Damon, obviously you're getting this 40 teaspoons of sugar in a day and, and I guess it sounds like that might be kind of hard work, although from what you've said so far maybe it wasn't oh. so hard, but what what did you find was the best way to do it? Like what was the easiest way <laughs> to do it wrong? You know, you mentioned the breakfast. What else was a, you know, an easy way you found to get those teaspoons sure. of sugar in the rest of your meals?
1: Well you can see that you know for, for most of the experiment, I was up to twenty by eight thirty in the morning, so I really it was actually a <laughs> good start difficult to stay under twenty for the rest of the day so look, definitely the easiest way to do it was through liquids and drinks, you know like you people were pretty shocked if you learn how to read a label and you you, you get one of those processed drinks now that you see at the counter and the, the easiest way to to do it is to know that one teaspoon of sugar equals four grams so for example, if you see 20 grams of sugar on a product, you divide it by four and you know that that's five teaspoons in that bottle. So, you know, there's drinks like those Big M flavoured milk drinks, there's 13 to 14 teaspoons in those. Those small, um, you know, up and go sanitarian drinks have four to five teaspoons. Those iced tea drinks have got eight to nine, Lipton iced tea has got nine teaspoons of sugar. So we've really vilified the Coca Cola's and the, the Lifts and the Sprites, these kind of drinks. We all kind of know they're full of sugar, but some of these other drinks, actually have more sugar in them than those coats. And what the science now uh, tells us, and and again, this scientist says in the film in such a beautiful way, he said it's like a giant tsunami of sugar. So what happens is it just floods the liver with all this sugar and our body's not designed to break it down or metabolize it. It happens so quickly that the body can't go through its normal slow processes and so what it does is rapidly turn it to fat. And this is what happens in the liver. And then that fat gets pumped down to the bloodstream and that's when you start getting all sorts of complications in the body. So, I guess to answer your question, the drinks was a really simple one for me. Sauces is, is also a huge shock. Tomato sauce, barbecue sauce—they're just full of sugar. A lot of pasta sauces are full of sugar. Um, the low-fat yogurts—a big one. Those kind of—you um, know—you see them ski and all those ones, which you think are pretty healthy, and they're all—they've all got pretty pictures of flowers and bees and nature on them. But they should absolutely be in the dessert section. And um, yeah, so those kind of foods, I guess, are the, are the ones that really stand out. And a lot of, um, sadly, um, kids' lunchbox kind of snacks. Um, the interesting one for me was probably the, the dried sultanas, which you'd think, yeah, that's fine. you know, But I actually counted out those kid-sized sultanas, and there's 90 sultanas in there. Now, you've got to understand that if you tried to eat 90 grapes, which is what that mm-hmm. is, the fiber in those grapes wouldn't let you actually get through them. It would tell your body that you're full and that you'd have to stop. But what we do is sh- shrink them and condense them so that we can get all that sugar in very quickly. And again, our body's just not designed to eat ninety grapes or the sugar from ninety grapes.
0: Mm. It's it's amazing, isn't it? When you actually start to really a- analyze this stuff. But you know, when you were going through this, what was the most you know through this journey? What was the most mm. surprising thing for you that happened, either physically or emotionally, or just you know maybe through some of the things that actually was happening to you, or the research that kind of came up, or your journey in itself to looking into sugar.
1: Oh. Gee whiz! It's a, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a. I guess I, I've probably had my mind blown quite a few times, and this. just. I'd say from the physical aspect, probably the fact that I, which shocked me, only found out halfway through, is that I actually ate the same amount of calories as I had before my diet. So a lot of people would say, listening to this, well, look, you had forty teaspoons of sugar, then obviously your calorie count was going to be way over. So no wonder you put on the weight. But because I ate quite a low-carbohydrate and high-fat diet before, and when I say high-fat, I mean healthy fats, Mm. I guess people don't understand or some people want that um, fat has nine calories per gram, whereas sugar's only got four. So it's actually nearly double. So I can understand why people think, hey, eat sugar and don't eat fat because there's half the calories. But I think what a lot of the science is showing now is that the calories from sugar behave very differently to other calories. And there's a study done, again, in University of Calis, uh, Davis in California by this lovely woman I met called Kimber Stanhope. And she did a couple of um, calorie um, comparison tests and, and, and used glucose and fructose. And fructose is the, is the half of sugar that we think is causing all the problems. And her patients had the same amount of calories, but it was only the people that had the fructose that had a fatty liver developed, that had these lipid risk factors, which is um, dangerous for your heart disease and they put on this visceral fat instead of the subcutaneous fat. So we've sort of believed this this myth almost or it's been almost a dogma that all calories are equal and it's certainly been pushed by a lot of the food companies, especially Coca-Cola. If you just exercise and watch what you eat, you'll be fine. But... I guess the thing that I'm starting to realize and the more I look into it is that some of these calories behave very differently in the body and I think that's going to be a big surprise for some people and it makes sense of those people that do go to the gym a lot and they bust their guts but they're still having all their dessert treats and drinking their Powerade after their gym session and they're not losing weight my sort of belief after this experience is that because these calories are, are behaving very differently, and that's that's a huge statement. That's a big, big, that can rock uh, uh, the system. That kind of comment, and, and I certainly get pretty shocked reactions from people when I explain that. But there is a whole level of science now that's actually backing that up, which is, um, I guess, something we need to address. The coolest thing, Damon, is that uh, this
2: science has been there for nearly 10 years. Um, In fact, actually longer than 10 years. We started filming this TV show uh, back in 2004, and uh, we'll talk about the same stuff, right? So the research is way back, right? So. You guys bringing this to the forefront is fantastic. It was funny the other night watching Catalyst because Catalyst on ABC um, started to report that there's been these incredible, amazing new discoveries, new, fi- <laughs> new, new findings by medical science saying that sugar and food might actually contribute to disease. and. <laughs> I find it incredible that still in this day and age, it's such a shock for people to, to yeah. find out that sugar might be the bad guy. So I'm loving that you guys are bringing this mainstream. It's just absolutely awesome. And I think one of the great things, there's a couple of great things that you've actually already said tonight, and that is that your fatty liver disease disappeared. And yeah. that's, that should be music and like angels singing for the 5 million people exactly. with fatty liver disease yeah. in Australia, because they've all been told that they can't get rid of it. Exactly. Exactly, and all, you, and, and all you did was just take the sugar
1: out. Yeah, not only did I have fatty liver disease, I was right on the verge of cirrhosis. So it, it was almost <laughs> a hardening of the liver, which is as hard—that's as extreme uh, as it gets, you know. So I totally agree with you, man, And I—I I, I guess I've also realised, which I, we won't—we don't have to go too much into because it's obviously a little bit more negative. But there is a section of the film for five or ten minutes that looks at why this message has been so suppressed. And it's been a very, very active campaign by the sugar industry since the 1970s because, you know, it's worth $50 billion. It's an enormous trade in the same way that tobacco was. And sadly, they've employed the same tricks. They've paid scientists, they've... um I guess, debunked anyone that's come out against them and call them fattest or junk science. And there's all a the whole list of tricks that they've used and they continue to use. And as long as there's ambiguity in the public space, then people will keep on eating sugar. So what they've done is... I guess work very hard to make sure that this there is always ambigu- ambiguity and there's conflicting evidence and conflicting science reports. And I actually met a guy and interviewed him on camera who works for Coca Cola, and you know he's someone that says that fructose isn't a problem. And we kind of look at his funding source and 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 how he reaches these conclusions.
3: Nice, nice.
2: That's awesome.
1: And Obviously we know. Sorry, mate.
2: I want to see all the outtakes. I'm looking forward to seeing
1: those. <laughs> yeah, the stuff that doesn't make it to the film. <laughs> well, that's the thing about making a documentary. I mean, our first our first rough edit was oh, well, nearly three and a half hours. And look, it's such a big story and a big topic that it was really hard to actually condense it to a palatable hour and a half because there was just so much science there. But we had a couple of test screenings and people just switch off when there's too much science. So you've got to keep that story in there so it's engaging. And look, that's why for me, right from the get-go, it's been imperative that I guess we've got to get the next generation. The kids are the ones that probably need to see this and their parents. And so we've used lots of animation techniques. Uh, we've got 287 special effect shots in there. The speakers are really presented in a really interesting way. We've got celebrities, Hugh Jackman and Stephen Fry and some other Australian actors in there to really sort of make it fun. We've got a rock and soundtrack, Florence and the Machine, Peter Gabriel, all these kind of bands to really make this stuff accessible so that it doesn't feel like a dry sciencey, negative documentary, that there's a real sense of fun and play to it, um, and that more importantly, we can get it into every school around the country.
3: Yeah, that's, that's really exciting to get, to get all those generations coming through. Um, Damon, one thing I'd love to know is obviously as you were going through this journey, you were having your 40 teaspoons of sugar. Yeah. As you were then recovering and getting back on track, and as you said, it didn't take long to get you back on track, then how many teaspoons of sugar did you have in your diet? I mean, I imagine there were some sugars there from, from you know, vegetables and fruits and those sort of sure. things. And, and yeah. how many, I guess, grams of carbohydrate? You know, what sort of carb percentage were you on as you were bouncing back and doing that recovery?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, just in terms of certainly the film even, we're not we're not dogmatic. Like, you know, America recommends that men have no more than nine teaspoons a day and, and six teaspoons for women. Australia, we don't have a recommendation yet, which is another story. But um, I guess what people don't understand is that, yeah, they, they do still get natural sugars in food. So I – look, I was probably a bit more extreme when I stopped the diet. I really cut out a lot of refined um, carbohydrates so I didn't have, and starches, so I wouldn't have any kind of white rice or pasta or potatoes because I'm not sure if, if your listeners know, but once you understand how insulin works, as I explored in the film, that a lot of these foods spike our insulin very quickly and, and insulin helps us remove the, the glucose or the blood sugars out of our bloodstream. But what it also does is trap the fat in our bodies. So while it's removing that glucose, it actually tells the fat to stay in the fat cells. So it's almost impossible to lose that weight and burn it off for energy when you're eating these kind of foods. So for me, it was imperative to get rid of that fat as quickly as I could. So look, I, I you know, I, I probably didn't have any sugar of any variety really early on. Maybe some blueberries, that was kind of probably the only thing, and obviously fresh vegetables. I still eat those, lots of greens, lots of kind of kales and um, those kind of foods, but I certainly didn't have many carbohydrates, especially um, refined ones. Anything that was white was just a no-no in the first month.
0: Mm. Well, it's great to hear. You know the, the how you done it too as well. Just to help our listeners to be able to to kind of really start on that journey. We'd we'll love to hear sort of your thoughts on you know what is it going to take? Do you think uh, for you know society to really get on board in this? I mean, especially you know you obviously been you know you said you had Hugh Jackman, you had you know Steve Curry, you have all these people you know in in that sphere. How. You know that they receive this well. This that they kind of go, you know, like this is that they want to get on top of this and help. What what is your suggestion yeah. for us?
1: Look, I think people are. Uh, I mean, you know, Hugh Hugh probably has the finest sculpted torso on the planet. So he's <laughs> <laughs> I
3: was just about to say, with those abs, I reckon he might already have the message.
1: <laughs> yeah, fructose doesn't play a role in his life. That's for sure. And even judging by his rider, when we filmed him, it was just all salmon and salads and waters. But. Look, I think there is, as you guys would know, there is a a growing awareness of this kind of thing and there is momentum in the press and there is a slow kind of turn. And look, it's hard because we've got to understand too and we explore this in the film that sugar is addictive and it – also releases the same endorphins in our in our brain as that love does. And so it's a very comforting thing for people. And, and in, I guess, you know, you look at the madness of the planet at the moment, it's understandable that sugar is popular because it is very comforting to people. And I think there's there's great stats of how sugar sales and consumption went up after 9-11 and things because people do turn to it sometimes because it does give them a, a, a nice feeling. But as with any of these things, we've just got to a point where it's totally excessive and our bodies can't handle it. So my number one, I mean, there's a lot of talk with people, you know, trying to tax sugary goods and tax soft drinks, which, look, I'm not a big fan of. I think um, I would hope that we could do it through awareness, and that's growing very quickly. But from what I know now in terms of the way that sugar behaves in our brain, I did a, a study where they, they put me in this big fMRI scanner machine and gave me a milkshake, a chocolate milkshake, and, and read my brain and how it behaved. And my brain lit up just by seeing a picture of the milkshake. So before I even tasted it, my brain started craving and wanting it from seeing it. Now, that opens up a huge discussion in terms of advertising in public spaces that we don't have a choice in. We go down the street and we just see a huge donut sitting there for Krispy Kreme. We have no say in that, but I now understand it. That's actually triggering reactions in people's brains, whether they know it or not, on a subconscious level, that might end up leading them to buy those donuts. So that to me is something we need to address especially in the schools especially in advertising to kids mm-hmm. these kind of um you know fast food joints that promote their foods to kids i mean that's absolutely an imperative number one place to start for me and also a big mission of the film is to get into tuck shops that this you know i've got friends that are teachers and the kids are bringing mass mars bars and, and fantas at a recess you know and it's just madness because We've just not believed that sugar's been a problem. For so many years, we've always blamed fat. Everything's about a low-fat diet, and sugar's snuck under the radar. But the science has caught up now, and we know that sugar is just as harmful as a lot of these other foods, and it's time we actually took some action.
3: I love it, Damon. And I think, as you said, the school is such an important spot to start. I mean, even just, you know, even though the tuck shops, I guess, they have perhaps improved a little bit over the last few years. But but in terms of sugar and carb content, I I do think they've still got such a long way to go. So, can you tell us about your school program? You know, how does it work? How is it? What can people do, I guess, to get on board and to encourage their school to get involved and, and to make this thing work and get off the ground?
1: Yeah, well we're just I mean uh, obviously it's a huge task and you've got to tread very carefully because you know there are people out there doing great things and we certainly don't want to step on any toes. So we're at the moment sort of just providing, a, I guess, a space as, as like a platform, where, a collaboration where all sorts of people are coming from different avenues and different grassroots organisations and we're hoping that the film can be a real torch for them, that they can put on nights, that we can, you know, our aim is to get into every school and we're, we're looking for help from people, bus companies that can help transport the kids to the cinema, all sorts of avenues. So at the moment we've got a website we've just started called thatsugarfilm.com but there's also a Facebook page that's just started up, That sugar film. Um, The Facebook page and we're just I guess gathering troops at the moment and and people that are as passionate as as we are and there are lots of people out there and you know I think it is going to take a collective effort it really is not something that you can do alone And, and these food companies have got a lot of might and they're going to Fight back quite strongly when this film comes out. But if there's enough people that are aware and are, are on the ground, then I think we can um, we can make a difference. And that to me is probably the most exciting thing out of this whole film is is that it's not just a film. It's it's hopefully we can move forward and create some real change
0: well that's what i love about it you know like i find that uh, what you're saying is that you know you're creating a movement and, it, and there's so many people just creating movements and these small little <laughs> movements or big movements and all together it's really gonna you know gonna create a tsunami almost what <laughs> this is like a last the last question here before we end off this this podcast what do you think will be the resistance like who do you think would the biggest players that will resist against this type of film and what would they be saying <laughs>
1: Well, look, I mean, the, the party line from these, this, this industry, they've, they've trotted out this line for years, and that is that we can't blame one food. You know, that, oh, we did this to fat and we demonized fat, and now it's the next item and it's sugar. But my argument to them is that the sugar is now in 80% of our processed foods. So this isn't about one food item. This is a food item that's now littered its way throughout all our other foods and infiltrated. So it is one that we need to arrest. And I certainly don't think that it's solely to blame. Hmm. Uh, well i guess um the I guess they 've been rehearsing this uh, dealing with films like this or people like me for a long time and their number one answer normally is that sugar is just a single food item, and let 's not focus on one food item. we did it with fat and we vilified fat and now we 've moved on to sugar. but I think people need to know that sugar now exists in eighty percent of our of our food supply so this one item we're talking about has infiltrated a lot of other foods. So if there ever was a food to look at, it's probably sugar. Um, I guess the other thing they'll do is, you know, we we don't pull any punches in the sense that we name a lot of products. You see me eating all these kind of foods. We don't sort of um, blur any labels or whatnot. So you know, people will get up in arms, but there has been a movement for a while now that, that, that there's a growing trend that there is something going on with sugar. And these companies have known that for a while and they've been prepared and they're co- trying to come up with new products that say low in sugar or less sugar and whatnot. So we haven't reached that tipping point yet. But um, I mean, I'm mean, i very aware that there's going to be a whole lot of things thrown at me and it'll be interesting to see what they do and how low they do go or they might ignore it completely because given the world we live in now and the aspect, you know, social media and whatnot. If they did kick up too much of a fuss, then that could actually be quite detrimental because, um, you know, the film could spread even faster. So it'll be very interesting to see how they handle it. and I'm certainly um, uh, ready for anything that comes.
0: Well, it's a beautiful right. time we're, we're living in. And fight, and, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, it's uh, great to see you taking this to the mainstream, and uh, it's just going to be interesting. I mean, I just, this has been a fascinating call, but more importantly, it's going to be a fascinating film. When should we expect to see this in the theaters, and, um, you know, and where could we, what can we do now or our listeners to do to follow you just to make sure that we can keep up to date?
1: Yeah, well, we're, definitely, we're releasing in late January or early February in Australia on, in cinemas all around Australia. Um, But there's lots, I mean, as we've spoken about, I've got so much content that didn't make the film and and I'm going to put a lot of that onto line um, on the Facebook page and also on um, our website, that's sugarfilm.com. So I guess the best way is probably Facebook's pretty quick and simple and people can leave comments and we'll be posting lots of videos and, um, you know, upcoming screenings and, you know, especially some of this school group uh, movement that it would be great to sort of make a bit of a meeting place as Facebook's pretty good for that. So, yeah, if people want to keep interested and keep abreast, then that's the place to go.
0: Well, the film is called That Sugar Film, so I'm looking forward to, and uh, to you know going to a screening and, and just spreading the word about this. So we'll probably have you on again closer to the time and uh, to get this message, message out there. So thank you for That'd joining us great. on the Wellness Guys.
1: Yeah, and congrats on your show too, guys. It's terrific what you're doing, and um, all the best
0: thank you so guys join us on facebook Uh, go to facebook.com slash the wellness guys or the wellness couch like us uh, like us while you're there share this podcast with your friends family and other strangers you think need a wellness update subscribe to us on itunes while you're there leave us a five-star rating and leave a comment on itunes until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example and let's change the world health together join us next week on the wellness guys show